KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is the Rundown, Philadelphia's local news podcast. I'm Jay Scott Smith here with Sabrina Boyd Serka and Brian Seltzer. And when we've talked about SEPTA recently, it hasn't always been good. But today it is. We have a feel-good story of SEPTA spreading that holiday cheer in spite of the issues that they faced this year, mostly thanks to the pandemic, with their annual holiday decorating competition. It all started around Halloween. When I got on a trolley that was decorated for Halloween, suddenly we go into the tunnel and they start playing Thriller. And I'm just like, this is the best trolley ride I've ever taken. (laughs) Christmas comes around and it happens again. Winter Wonderland theme and they're playing a bunch of Christmas music and it was really cute. And so I thought, is there something bigger to this? In fact, there is. There's a whole competition to decorate the SEPTA buses and show off who has which district has the most holiday spirit. If it's something you get into, I can really see the employees totally getting behind this and getting psyched for it. And it's probably a lot of fun and morale booster. I just wish some of this spirit would trickle into the regional rail system. That's what I take Mm. in to work when I come into the station. And the regional rail cars of the train are still very staid, empty in terms of (laughs) atmosphere. It's just seats and riders. Maybe they'll expand next year. Yeah. We got to get some of that big Christmas energy out to the main line and get some love coming in from the suburbs. And we're going to talk about all these decked out buses and trolleys coming up on today's edition of the podcast. But first, let's get to a rundown of today's headlines. Now, here we are, December 15th, 10 days before Christmas, and the city of Philadelphia is advising people not to gather indoors at Christmas parties. Trying to think of the right way to start my reaction off to this, Jay, and I think <laughs> I'll just try and speak from the heart here. I've tried to be as vigilant as possible over the last two years almost with this whole thing. For me, I feel like it is getting to a point where I'm starting to feel more frustration than concern about doing my diligence with this sort of thing. And I'm still going to abide by all the rules and the protocols to a certain degree unless I get to that point where I think, all right, is it just worth the risk threshold? And I think it's it's just a sign of how long we've been dealing with this and now also how we're reacting to Omicron. And I also am having a hard time, Sabrina, squaring the fact that the city is going to be implementing these new protocols for establishments where you can consume food and drinks on site. That's not going into effect essentially until January 17th, but now we're getting the recommendations not to host gatherings inside your own home. I don't know. There's a lot. I think my main reaction is just sadness and disappointment that like we're still here. Yeah. Everybody's holiday plans had to be changed last year. I know I was facing the challenges of traveling because I had to go across several states to get to my family last year. Luckily, there are no travel restrictions in that way this year. But it's it's disappointing that we're still in this situation. It also just feels like I understand the effort. I understand you need to say it, but people aren't going to follow this. Like people have their holiday plans. It's too little too late for me. You know, if you had said this back at Thanksgiving, maybe more people would have considered changing their plans. But now we're a week out and – People are going to see their families. And there are people who are actually doing the right thing. That's the thing that's maybe the most maddening about all this. We talk a lot about the people who adamantly refuse to do the right thing, Mm -hmm. refuse to comply, insist upon we're not going to do this and you can't make me. And 
The vast majority of people in the city, this is one of the few cities in the country that has an extremely high vaccination rate. That doesn't get spoken of enough. Philadelphia, by and large, got this right. Like Mm -hmm. the people of this city did the job. They did what they were supposed to do. I think what, Brian, what you said was also important that like it's a risk management thing. Yeah. And at some point we're going to have to – I mean I think I'm already at the point where I'm considering how big of a risk I'm willing to take because there's always going to be a risk – of getting some kind of sickness when you go out in public. So you just got to figure out, you know, how to balance that risk. I think that it is hard for government officials to say only people who are unvaccinated have to do X, Y, Z. So you have to make this blanket statement. But maybe this is just me being selfish and cocky and, you know, I apologize (laughs) if that's the case. But I do think that, you know, if you're vaccinated, if you're boosted especially, you're wearing masks, you're taking all the precautions – You just are more protected. We're really talking to a certain subset of 10 percent of the population of Philadelphia here. Well, it's the question of what more can you do? And at this point, after two years, I feel like I am more open now and more willing now to entertain the idea of taking risks. That's not to say that I'm going to start running down the street and kissing everybody with my mask off. (laughs) But if there are certain jump ball situations, in the rare instances, there might be a jump ball situation. And before I said, I am not... Now I might be close to saying, you know what, try to do everything I can the right way. Now maybe I might because I think after two years for me at least personally, um, it's more about trying to live with this. We've learned to live with it a bit better. Yeah, we've, we've had to learn to live with it. And, and as we're sitting here thinking about what's happened with COVID, we now switch gears to something that is just as devastating, those tornadoes that hit in Kentucky last Friday night. Now here in the Philadelphia area, an organization thought of a way to at least – help out a certain segment of the population out there in the state of Kentucky. Indeed. And shout out big time to the Brandywine Valley SPCA immediately almost, like within 24 hours, I think, of finding out about the wreckage and devastation caused by the tornadoes that went through Kentucky. They sent some of their personnel and vehicles that whole way down to Kentucky to Louisville to retrieve nearly 100 puppies, dogs, cats, and kittens to bring them back up here place them in shelters uh, that are throughout the Brandywine Valley SPCA footprint area to try and find homes for these animals to relieve some of the pressure on the infrastructure, especially as far as animal rescue is concerned, in Kentucky in areas that were hit hard by these storms. Here's Linda Torelli with the Brandywine Valley SPCA. One of the most important factors in rescue work during disasters is to remove animals that were up for adoption before the storm so that any animals displaced during the storm can stay in that local area. So by helping to empty out the shelters of currently available adoptables, we're making space for lost family pets, um, families who need to give up their pets so that those animals can stay in that local community. I love this. And the pictures that John McDevitt got from the SPCA just I mean, you can't, like, not melt your heart over cute puppy and cat pictures. It makes me want to adopt one, even though I really can't. My two cats would not have another roommate, I know. See, I can't even look at a lot of those pictures or watch the videos. Our broadcast partner, NBC10, also had videos of some of these dogs. And I'm just sitting there. Like, I'm in studio when this is on, and I look up and say, like, oh, come on with this. What are is we doing? foggy in this studio? Like, come on. Look at this little guy. What am I supposed to do? I don't, and I can't afford right now to have dogs in there, and I want to adopt at least three or four of these pups that I see <laughs> running around here. I just I don't have a backyard to let them run around and play in, but this is doing a lot of good here. And making sure, though, and not only only that, got those animals out of there in enough time so at least they weren't 
possibly endangered by that monster storm that came through last week. I think the the good you do perhaps by adopting one of these animals is twofold. A, you give a pet a home that they need, and B, you're helping relieve some of the influx of pressure that the area of Kentucky um, that was hit hard by those tornadoes is feeling right now, too. Now, obviously, for more on that, of course, you can go to our website, KYW News Radio, for more information on how you might want to add yourself a new buddy. It doesn't have to be a Christmas gift. Just go get yourself a new friend because those dogs are really adorable. Cats, too. Nothing against cats, but I'm a dog guy. What can I say? We also first talked about this story a couple weeks ago, and our KYW's Justin Nudo was, had this story beforehand, too. The beloved Belmont Plateau sugar maple tree is being removed. And probably by the time we're talking about this right now, sadly, it's a little bit overcast outside today, appropriately so, that an iconic nature landmark in the city is no longer there. I'm bummed. Yeah, it is sad. But the tree was sick, basically. It seemed like it had to be done. This wasn't any random choice. You know, a lot of people are lamenting this. Uh, Justin Udo went out to talk with some residents of the area about how they're feeling about it. And here's what one of them told him. This is my place of worship for Philadelphia because it frames this city in a way that is so gorgeous. It's one of my favorite views. When my son was in high school and he was a runner, and this is, of course, a famous running spot for cross country. The tree was the place we'll meet by the tree, the tree, the tree. It's, it was always central to that. This city is a little bit of everything. It's very urban. Clearly, anybody's seen a picture of a lot of the Philly neighborhoods. But there are so many nature trails. Mm-hmm. There's so much like rural urban that happens around here. And there are so many different landmarks and people can run. And it blew me away when I first moved out here. And the crazy part about that part of Fairmount Park is that it's like <laughs> tucked between the uh, muck and mire of the Schuylkill Expressway and then some of the row homes in West Philadelphia. That sliver of Fairmount Park is right there. And like she said, it perfectly tees up your look at the Philadelphia city skyline. I, have you guys been there before? Do you have any memories of going there? I mean, my wife and I, BC, before children, we would go there. Uh, we went there a couple times for a birthday. You know, we'd picnic, bring stuff like badminton. What We would just like hang out, bring our like Bluetooth speaker, have some drinks. It's great over there. The good news is that the plateau itself is not going anywhere. I've been out there a couple of times. I'm stunned by it when I see it. It's just... It's so cool. Like, this city is a photographer's dream. I love a city skyline view. And so I went out there once with my husband for our anniversary in 2020 because we couldn't go to a restaurant or anything like that. So we got takeout and we sat on Belmont Plateau and looked out over the city and celebrated our anniversary that way. So that's, you know, a special place in my heart for that reason. The good news is they will be planting multiple trees to replace this. They're planting three black gum trees on Arbor Day, of course. So that's in April. So the nature, you know, is is still going to be there. We're just going to have to say RIP to this one particular tree. They're not get, they're not getting rid of the tree to replace it with an apartment building or something. Oh, it, thank it, God. It, it, <laughs> it's the, of all the things that you hear about being torn down and rebuilt into apartment complexes these days, Fairmount Park is staying, Belmont Plateau is staying. That's it's just it's just going to be something different when we start getting into next spring. Now, one more thing before we go. Last but not least, this is an update that we know is very important to Brian. So last week when we were here. Brian was a little worried about a ham sandwich that he had bought. Which he ate and which, apparently is okay. Again, he's good. So he's still here. here. Yes. Clearly, it was not bad. However, the ham recall that spooked him a little bit has been expanded. So, dude, I got to ask, how you feeling? 
I'm feeling fine. Happy to report that I packed a turkey and cheese sandwich for lunch today. <laughs> and the ham industry has not gotten my money since that first report came out, <laughs> which I feel badly about. I love, you know, I love pork products and I love ham, but I think I'm just going to give it some time, I wait for this fair. whole outbreak or whatever it is to calm down. Especially because, so when you we talked about it last week, it was like 200,000 pounds that had yeah. been recalled. It's now up to two Slightly million. <laughs> yes, million. So, yes, I said so million. Much pork. So that's a little bit concerning. Uh, we do have a list on our website of all the different brands and how to check whether or not your ham in your fridge is one of the ones that's been recalled. So maybe check that out. But um, you know, again, I'm gonna say. Rocking the tofurkey this Christmas. <laughs> it's like I'm picturing a pig like the cow in the Chick-fil-A commercials holding up a sign saying <laughs> eat more turkey or eat more vegetables or eat more chicken. Just like go to the birds. Stay away from me, especially right now, because apparently the pig is really not good for you. As Sabrina mentioned, we'll have all that information on that story and everything else we've laid out here in these headlines on our website, KYWnewsradio.com. Now, coming up on the rundown, we're going to talk about those really festive SEPTA buses that you've been seeing around the city, the story behind them, and what it means to the employees who are also putting all this together. That's coming up on the rundown. And welcome back to The Rundown. I'm Jay Scott Smith here with Sabrina Boyd-Circa and Brian Seltzer. And you may have noticed that there have been some rather festive-looking buses floating around the city of Philadelphia. We're just we're, we're 10 days away from Christmas as we record this. And part of an annual competition that SEPTA has called Festibus, when employees compete in decked-out buses and vehicles. Now we're joined today by SEPTA's Chief Officer of Surface Transportation, Chris Valentine. Chris, thanks for joining us today on The Rundown. Thanks for having me. Sabrina, I know you've seen some of these decorated buses, and they look really cool just from what I've seen. But what exactly can you describe better? How do they look? Yeah, Jay, I was down at the Fashion District last week, and I saw the Oompa Loompa bus, which was all decked out in Willy Wonka style with candy. The bus outside was striped uh, brown and white, so like chocolate stripes. The back of the bus had a golden ticket on it. I actually talked to the driver of the bus, Stephanie, who uh, told me a bit about how they came up with the idea. Actually, it was a group effort, and we just thought we wanted bright, colorful, happy, and what better than Willy Wonka? <laughs> this was her first time doing the competition. Uh, she said she'll probably do it again because she had so much fun and really enjoyed seeing people's reactions. I also talked to Faith Boos, who's the customer experience manager. She had her own kind of way of describing what the bus looked like. The Oopa Loopa bus is the Willy Wonka factory. And the outside is black and white stripes. It's actually chocolate and um, dark chocolate and vanilla chocolate. So that's why it's striped. When you go on the inside, you'll see big candy canes inside of there. Also, we have balloons that look like candy drops. Um, throughout there, you'll have the bubbles will be coming out, and it just gives you a visual of what the movie was. I also feel super lucky because I am on the trolley route where this all originated, the Route 10. So I've seen the Winter Wonderland trolley. I've taken that into work a couple of times, which is decked out all in kind of like blue and white decorations. They're playing holiday music. This is like my ride into work in the morning, <laughs> which is super, super exciting. It's just really fun. Sabrina, very fun. Sabrina's coming in on Santa's sleigh every day, and she hasn't exactly been telling <laughs> us about all these things. So, Chris, give us more of a history about how this competition started. 
I, I guess the, the, the background and origins, uh, like Sabrina touched on, was uh, actually Gary Mason, one of our trolley operators out of Callahill District, and formerly also out of Elmwood District, has been uh, decorating his trolleys for years. Uh, he was doing Christmas trolleys, uh, Valentine's Day trolleys, Halloween trolleys, and um, I can speak from personal experience. I used to actually manage Gary, and probably about 10, 11 years ago, um, we asked him to decorate a second trolley because they were that popular. So we had it on two lines out of Callahill District, the 15 and the 10, and we published the, the schedule um, for the public to see. We've received such great customer feedback um, that it became like a thing where people started from other locations, started competing as well. Um, and then through our basic um, service, which is an, an internal service to build uh, basically co- uh, customer service culture between employees, we took that to a um, a different level by having a competition. So it's been ongoing now for his eighth year where we have every bus and trolley location, decorate vehicles, and they compete on a yearly basis, absent of last year due to COVID. Who gets to compete in this? And also, who does the decorating? Because having seen some of these, they're very elaborate. And it looks like there's a whole crew that puts the work in on this. Right. Well, it's it's totally employee driven, um, led by our maintenance employees and our operator employees. And there are also some other surface transportation employees that are involved. Uh, people like Faith uh, from our customer experience uh, department will uh, work with them as well as like try to get it all in line and have it uh, packaged to one event. But they also coordinate these outside events. But the decorating, the planning, the theming, that's all done through the employees. They pick the theme. Uh, they tell us the theme. They're, you know, they're obviously they're vetted to make sure that they're appropriate, but we haven't ever received anything inappropriate. Uh, they decorate it um, and they have free reign to do what they'd like with the vehicles, provided that they're safe to actually be operated. Faith mentioned when I talked to her that it's really about bringing the employees together. There's a total of 48 volunteers wow. and they come from the maintenance division as well as our operations division. And it was designed for them to collaborate together because they work in the same building, yet they don't know each other. So this is part of our team building initiative. You know, SEPTA doesn't really have an office, but something like an office camaraderie around the holidays. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, you definitely see it. There's a a sense of camaraderie and competition. Uh, The day of the competition, you know, everybody's happy to see one another and they board each other's bus. But at the same time, they all want to win. Um, And it builds a relationship between the maintenance department and our operators because they serve one another in their normal roles where the maintenance employee ensures the vehicle safe for service. But at the same time, um, it gets to have them work together to try to create a project together. So it definitely is a good uh, team building exercise. So what did this year's winner look like? Uh, This year's winner was uh, the Southern Soul Bus. It was like a disco themed Soul Bus with uh, Christmas uh, intertwined into that. Uh, records uh, uh, bolted onto the um, onto the bumper. It had like a silhouette of uh, uh, I guess somebody striking a pose in the seventies dance. I was born in seventy nine, so I guess that's how they danced. The, the fun part about the competition that sometimes does get lost in the displays is like you have the employees that are there and they'll get dressed up as well. So like they were, you know, they had a lot of afros and uh, 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 like seventies themed shirts and stuff like that. They had a, a roller skater who was dancing. He was doing handstands and headstands. So, like, that's lost as part of the display. But, like, there's a lot of pageantry going on uh, during the day of the competition. That's really cool. They definitely go all in on this. And I know that it's been a tough last couple of years. Everybody's been through a lot the last couple of years. And SEPTA, obviously, unfortunately, has been no different with riders have decreased a little bit. But now they're starting to come back. How did this year's competition compare to previous years? And do you think that 
some of the SEPTA employees approached it a little bit differently? Yeah, I, I think there was a, a, a bigger challenge because, I mean, there is that that sense of fear for COVID. So, I mean, obviously, we make sure that our teams, when they're decorating, are socially distant. Um, and, you know, people have things going on outside of work where we maybe didn't have as many volunteers as in the past, but we still had about 50 volunteers uh, with these vehicles. So working through those challenges, um, I think a lot of uh, people were still energized to get back from the rut of last year, where they were really looking forward towards last year's competition, and it kind of got pulled out from under them. So um, some teams were like really into it, and um, they were they've been planning for like two years for this. And uh, some of the details on the vehicle, when you look at it, like man, that's really detailed for a short amount of time when we gave them the vehicle. But they've been planning for this for a while, so you did see that level of detail. So it was, the employee engagement was a little bit lower than normal, but uh, the level of detail I felt was just as the quality was there. Now, Sabrina, what did the staff, when you talked to them on the Oompa Loompa bus, have to say <laughs> about this event and how it's kind of grown and how they feel about it? Yeah. Noelle Sanchez, who is a surface transportation manager, she said she thinks the creativity has increased. The competition has expanded over, over all the years. Their creativity has gone above and beyond. Each year, it has gotten really big because of the events. It used to be centered, but now it's all over the city of Philadelphia. And the operators and management is about camaraderie and morale to build up the relationship on both parties and also the ridership. So when the riders see or passes by see, you know, they're saying, wow, what amazing, you know, uh, event that's going on. And they want to be a part of it also. Yeah. So it's great. It's great. Faith Boos says she calls it the SEPTA spirit. This is what we call our SEPTA spirit, where internally we try to build morale and camaraderie within the SEPTA employees. And we, what we do is something to give back to the community, telling them thank you for riding SEPTA throughout the year. Stephanie, who was the driver of the Oompa Loompa bus, says she just really loves the, the rider's reaction. It's a lot of hard work putting it all together, but it's worth it. You get the fruit of your labor when everyone comes on and they're like, wow, I can't believe you guys did this. And that's, that's the best part. You know, they're playing Willy Wonka music. It's all lights. You get a little crown when you join, <laughs> when you get on. Uh, it's just, it sounds like it's really sharing the holiday spirit and just making everyone happy. There's a lot of fun. That goes into this sort of thing. The oompa doompa. <laughs> I'm picturing a bus pulling up with that playing. And I mean, this is a very popular thing in the city. People love the sights of these buses. They get all sorts of the people taking pictures. We're in the age of social media where these things are just immediately showing up on Instagram and on Twitter and on people's Facebook feeds. One of my best tweets of the year was of the Halloween trolley. And I think SEPTA retweeted it. And so it got a ton of likes from people who follow <laughs> SEPTA. So that's the most Twitter famous I might ever be. We're out here. Gen- well, we're working on that with the rundown, by the way. Just, you're, <laughs> she's generating content. It's coming off of people being able to see this. SEPTA also sells calendars of the previous year's buses and everything. What about those? Like, where did the idea come from to have, like, 12 months of SEPTA spirit on these on these calendars? Yeah, the, the, the calendars are basically a fundraising exercise. They allow um, some of the, the costs to be recouped because a lot of these costs come out of the employee's pocket, you know. Um, so all those decorations that you see on the vehicles, the employees, uh, at times, depending on the location, sometimes they'll do fundraising events throughout the year, but then some of it's out of their pocket. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to promote the event at the same time, display our vehicles, 
showing the camaraderie that our employees did, but try to recoup some of the losses that, uh, you know, some people are putting out of pocket just to make this uh, event happen. Now, what do you think this tradition brings to the community here in Philadelphia, from the staff to the riders, people who just happen to be on the street and see one of these buses goes by? What do you hope that they get out of seeing this and doing this? Well, for the from the employee side, obviously the internal morale building that we talked about, building camaraderie, showcasing employee talent, and spreading holiday cheer. But at the same time, showing love towards our customers that uh, you know that we want to do something for them, you know that that'll make them enjoy SEPTA and look at SEPTA a little bit differently and engage us differently. Now, where can people find out how to see these buses over the rest of the month of December, heading heading now toward Christmas, which is quickly approaching. Right. Uh, on our SEPTA webpage, if you go on SEPTA.org, um, on the right-hand side, there's a, a calendar. If you click on the first link on the calendar, it'll take you to where our buses are staged at for the rest of the month. Another event that you could see the um, buses, the holiday decorated buses, is tomorrow on the 16th. They'll be out 1234 Market, right in front of the SEPTA headquarters. So you can come check out a bus and at the same time pick up a calendar. Nice. And that's this Thursday, the 16th, in case anyone is listening to this on a different day. Correct. Highly recommend checking these out. They are super fun. It's a, a fun little outing wherever you want to go around the city. I know the Fashion District is is a hot spot. Uh, something coming up at Reading Terminal Market over this coming weekend. So that's exciting. And, of course, want to mention those calendars are on sale at the Transit Store, $10 each. They have some expanded hours. So I would just say probably head to SEPTA's website for information on all of this. Chris? Agreed. Yeah, the SEPTA, SEPTA website will get you to that. I don't know if the calendar information is on there or not, but if you go to 1234 Market, which is our SEPTA headquarters in the lobby, we have a transit store, and in there you could purchase the calendars. They're $10 a piece. And that's SEPTA's Chief Officer of Surface Transportation, Chris Valentine. Chris, thank you so much for joining us to talk about this really cool tradition and share some of the stories behind it. Thank you both. Thanks, Jason. Sabrina. Thank you. And The Rundown is a production of KYW News Radio Original Podcast. The show is produced by Sabrina Boyd Circa and Brian Seltzer. The director of podcasting for KYW News Radio is Tom Rickard. I'm Jay Scott Smith. You can follow me on Twitter at Jay Scott Smith. That's real Jay Scott Smith on Instagram and Facebook. And you can hear me every afternoon on KYW News Radio starting at 3 p.m. for Philadelphia's Afternoon News. It's on 103.9 FM, 1060 AM, and right here on the Odyssey app. Be sure to follow The Rundown on Twitter at The Rundown PHL. Listen for free here on the Odyssey app or just about wherever you get your podcasts. We want to thank you for checking out today's edition of The Rundown.